Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. foster care system is often a breeding ground for the exasperation of mental health conditions. Karen Marie Hernandez is the vocalist and guitarist of Cosmic Kitten. Karen was taken away from her neglectful and clinically depressed mom and put into foster care as a teen, where she had to face her own mental health demons. Under the watchful eyes of social workers, Karen was put on meds, suffered intense side effects, and got into all sorts of trouble, and was ultimately placed in a group home. Even though it was a ridiculously strict environment, It was the structure and routine of the group home that allowed her to focus on school and music. After a childhood rife with struggle, Karen has learned to look toward the future instead of dwelling on the past. Now she does the simple things, like going for walks, relaxing, and playing music. And of course, blood-curdling screams. My name is Karen Marie Hernandez, and I'm the lead singer and guitar player for Cosmic Kitten. We're from Long Beach, California, and we're like an alternative grunge rock band. We've been around for about seven years now, and we've toured three times, and we've released four full-length records. We're constantly playing shows, and we're very DIY. And I started this band when I was 19, and it's been really fun ever since I started it. It's been like my main form of therapy, and it's just been really fun meeting a lot of people, like local musicians, and just being able to create and be a part of something. We talked about things with your upbringing, abandonment and neglect. That's something that comes up a lot with especially folks that are dealing with mental health conditions. I grew up with a, a single mom and three, uh, sorry, two older siblings. Um, my older brother is seven years older than me. My sister's 13 years older than me. And we all shared this tiny one-bedroom apartment in Downey, California, which isn't far from Long Beach. And I was a painfully shy kid. I mean, I feel like I still am, but um, I've always really enjoyed anything art like I love to draw 
and I love to listen to music a lot and I love to read and just all kinds of stuff when I was a kid but it was all just kind of like for myself I was just too shy to show anybody anything that I've created and I recall when I was five my brother introduced me to the band Linkin Park <laughs> and I remember when I listened to to Linkin Park I was like wow like this is really cool and it just made such an impression on me when I was five I really loved Chester's screaming and I just loved it so much. Like I wanted to do something similar. I wanted to play guitar and just like rock. (laughs) And so just kind of growing up, I was begging my mom for a guitar and uh, I just never got one. (laughs) And I didn't end up getting my guitar until I was about 13. Between ages five and like 13, my mom, she had major depression and I think later she was diagnosed bipolar it was just kind of strange growing up with her because sometimes she'd keep me up all night and she would like tell me that we were communicating with aliens and we would look out the window and she would have me learn morse code because we were communicating with aliens apparently (laughs) but and then other days or for weeks she would be really depressed and just you know sleeping in bed and not really like caring for us, like not making food or anything for us. And being a kid, like if no one teaches you how to make food, you can't really like make food. And I was just kind of neglected in that way. I was kind of starved a lot of the time. And in school, I was kind of bullied because we weren't the richest family really. And so my clothes were hand-me-downs or they were too small for me or too big for me, you know, holes in my shoes, stuff like that. What you said about living with your mom and what she was going through with her mental health and some of the things that she was experiencing, some of the symptoms. And I wonder about that with myself. I wasn't um, seeing aliens or anything like that. I, I do live with bipolar and I do live with extreme mood swings from mania to depression. And I can't imagine that it would be easy for one thing. But then how did you balance, you know, the almost like you're caretaking for your own parent in some ways? dealing with that sort of chaos from her side and trying to find some comfort on your side? I just kind of escaped like when I would do art stuff, when I would draw or write stories and I'd listen to music. I uh, somehow just found a connection there that I wasn't getting like with my mom emotionally. Music kind of spoke to me in like a more personal level. And I just knew something was wrong with my mom because it just didn't feel right for me. I don't know, something about it just didn't feel right. Yeah, I just like to escape with music. (laughs) And so at some point, you were put into a foster home. So your mom and you were separated in that way. So how did that happen? Did something come to a head with your mom or how were you put into a foster home? So this kind of behavior with my mom started when my grandma died, and that was when I was nine. And then it wasn't until I was 13 that I was put into foster care, and that was because my mom was also kind of a religious fanatic, and we'd go to church a lot, and she was very strict with that. And I guess somebody at church, they realized how my mom was treating me. I didn't tell anybody, you know, how she was treating me, but somebody, I guess, found out and they notified Child 
protective services and they came over to my apartment and they saw like the condition that my mom was in, the condition that I was in and, you know, that our place was in. Because I also wasn't really going to school either. My school was a little too far for me to like walk to. So I couldn't get to school on some days because of my mom. So yeah, when they found that out, then it was kind of weird. Like they arrested her, like if she did something wrong. But to me, it didn't feel like she did anything that wrong that she would have to get arrested for. But they kind of arrested her and then later like gave her like a mental evaluation. And then she was sent to the mental hospital and they wanted me to go to a foster home right away. But my sister, who was living with her boyfriend at the time and her three kids, um, decided to take me in for a bit. And so what was it like in the foster care? Well, after I lived with my sister, they kicked me out a year and a half later because they weren't financially, you know, making ends meet with me like included. So they kind of had to give me up, I guess. And so when I went into foster care, it was very strange, very awkward. They literally only let you like put all your stuff in like a trash bag and like you go and you just go to like this home (laughs) and you just arrive and there's a family there. My foster family was a mom, a dad, and they also had three kids of their own. So you just kind of go and you feel like so intrusive. You're just like, I'm going to be a part of your family now, I guess. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like you feel so apologetic and you feel like a nuisance to begin with. They had been a foster family for a while. They've taken care of other children. They kind of looked at me and they were like, oh, yay, like you're going to be a part of this family. And I was like weirded out by that. But I was like, okay, like I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to be on my best behavior and see how this turns out because it's only going to be temporary like I had in my mind it was only going to be temporary and within a few weeks I was going to be able to go and live with my mom again and I kept thinking that but weeks turned into months and turned into you know years and during that time I tried really hard to be a part of this family and I felt for a while that I was a part of this family But deep down inside, I knew it just wasn't my family. And I don't know. I always kind of blame myself for the way I acted when I was in foster care. But I feel impartial. It was also their fault. (laughs) How so? They kind of forced me to go to therapy. And my foster mom forced me to be on medication, even though I didn't want to be. And I guess the side effects of that medication that I was on made me a more troubled person, just mentally unstable. And I was just really hard to manage, I guess, when I was a teen (laughs) in foster care. So how long did you stay with that family then? I stayed from when I was about 14 till I was 17. Time went by pretty fast and... I did all right in school. I enjoyed going to school just because I was able to focus on something other than, you know, what was going on in my life. And I had friends there that were also into the same music as me. And I was like part of their like art club. And 
I just, I don't know, I felt like I did good in school. And I also didn't want to not do good in school because if I didn't do good, social workers and my foster mom and like everybody would have to get involved and ask me why I wasn't doing good. And I just didn't want like all that surveillance like on me. I constantly felt watched, like none of my life was private. They all had my life in like a folder, you know, and they knew everything about me. And I just wanted to stay on track so that they would just stop hovering over me. (laughs) And you mentioned that you were medicated and that they wanted you to be on medications. So what was the reason for that? Were they thinking there was a diagnosis there or? Originally, when I was put on medication, The first medication they gave me, they just said I needed it because I was depressed and they wanted me to adjust with the whole move from, you know, my mom, my sisters to this new foster home. And I didn't really have a say in whether or not like I wanted to take it. They were just like, you have to take it. Like, okay, so I started taking it and I had just negative side effects. Like I started having all these suicidal thoughts that actually terrified me that I've never had before in my life. And I got really emotional, like really depressed. I had the urge to self-mutilate. You know, I was a cutter as a teen. And when I would tell my foster mom, like, hey, like, I don't think this medication is working for me. I feel awful. Like, I feel like a horrible person when I'm on this. She would just tell my social worker, my social worker would tell my psychiatrist to just prescribe me something new. And so for those years between 14 and 17, I was never given like one medication for like longer than like two months for it to actually start to like affect me in any way, positively, I guess. So I was just bouncing back and forth between different medication and just having like the worst side effects. And my foster mom would think it was me just being troublesome, I guess. And when I wouldn't want to take the medication, my foster mom would tell my social worker and they would say that I was suicidal and they would send me to the mental hospital. (laughs) And there I would be prescribed other medication. And that whole time was just so fuzzy for me. I bet. Yeah. How many times were you hospitalized? It was three times. Wow. Yeah. Three times. Or actually it was four times, but one of them wasn't for that long. Yeah. I hated being in the mental hospital so much. I just felt so out of place there. Everybody there was just like in a really bad state and... I knew that I had the ability to get well and get back on track and stuff. And I felt like all these things were getting in the way or maybe they just weren't giving me the right medication or maybe I needed to be on it longer. Who knows? You went through your life up to that point, loving music, being artistic. So all those years that you were spent with different medications and side effects and actually being hospitalized, which is terrible. And, you know, only being on a drug for two months, then switching over to another one is just a recipe for disaster. So at what point did you push through and and say, okay, this is my identity, this is who I am, and start really looking at the art and the music? Was there a turning point? Yeah, there was. Just before I left that foster home, 
I started experimenting with a lot of drugs and alcohol and I was just in a really bad state. I started talking in my sleep and saying really scary things that scared my foster mom and my foster family. And they didn't want me to be a part of their family anymore. So I got sent to a group home. And that group home, although it was really miserable for me, I reached a point where I really wanted to get out of that and I wanted to do something different, partially because that group home was very like scheduled, like very strict. We weren't allowed to leave. It was kind of like a rehab almost. We weren't allowed to leave. They had to watch everything. We had staff there and we had a schedule. Like we had to wake up at a certain time every day and the bathrooms didn't have any locks on them. Like they had to be able to like go in there if you were in danger. They had to walk us to school. They had to walk us back. And I don't know, something about that schedule and not having to be on medication anymore just cleared up my mind a bit. And I had a guitar with me that I had been carrying around all throughout foster care that I had just been playing covers on and like trying to write some songs. Nothing like super serious, but I feel like now that my head was clearer, I just found like a like a will to live, basically. And I wanted to try my best to get out of there into a new foster home. And that didn't happen until I turned 18. And I wanted to go to college suddenly, like I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to go to college and I wanted to start a band somehow. Although I had lost a lot of my friends, or pretty much all my friends, I was going to find a way to make new friends. And for some reason, I just became like a really positive person. And I felt like as long as I put my mind to something, then it was going to happen for me. And for a few years while I got through college and I got good grades and stuff, I was like, I was right. As long as I put my mind to it, it's going to happen. <laughs> to be a person that went through all that and has come out and is in a band and is putting out albums and you found a way. And I know you're still dealing with a lot of stuff. These things don't just disappear. But looking back and feeling how you are now, what, what are some of the feelings that come up about being able to get to where you are now? I mean, it's kind of relieving that that part of my life is over now. I think just being able to make my own decisions now as an adult and be like more independent. Like I feel kind of proud of myself for that and proud that I was able to like pull myself out of that somehow. I don't really know how it happened. Like I just had like a light bulb switched in my head or something. And just like my love for music, like I just Something about it, I just connected to it, and I wanted to write music, and it just kind of came naturally to me as my therapy, and I don't really know how it happened, I don't. <laughs> what was your scene like, the people around you that were playing music, and especially early on when you first, you see a citizen carrying around a guitar, and were there other punk freaks around that you could hang out with and play music with or was sort of solitary and then later on found people i was pretty solitary and i later on found people but it was a lot of punk people went to a lot of punk shows growing up which is good and bad because you know there's a lot of drinking and drugs around that whole scene 
but there's also a lot of empowerment, especially if there's other female vocalists. And it was a lot of punk music that I was surrounded by. I also grew up listening to a lot of grunge music, like 90s grunge music. That's like my favorite. I feel like I connected to that a lot more than punk music just because I was able to understand the emotion a little bit better than just anger and hurt like it was more like sad more like vulnerable I guess <laughs> I mean the way that I think of it and of course there's so many different styles but with punk rock the screams are like just rah, 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 right <laughs> whereas with grunge it's like yeah. you're just getting it <laughs> yeah, out there exactly. I heard your cover of the Melvins and that was that was amazing I just thought that was so cool How are you doing these days with your mental health? Are you feeling like you're stable? You're dealing with, you know, obviously some trauma from the past, but how are you feeling? I feel pretty stable now. I mean, there are moments where I think, wow, I'm this age <laughs> and all this happened to me like this many years ago and what happened in between? And I start to like get all weirded out because I feel like I lost a bit of myself and kind of like my life was taken for me during that moment. Like I didn't really get to enjoy like my teenage years or, you know, my early 20s as much as like I wanted to, I guess. Being aware of that now, I just kind of try to be positive and look towards the future and, and think about the things that I can do now and not really like focus on, you know, the past and what I could have done or what was done to me and, you know, yada, yada. I just try to do things that make me feel better or even if they don't make me feel better, just make me feel heard, make me feel understood. And, you know, if that's painting or playing guitar or talking to my bandmates or even just going out, walking to the beach or walking to the park, just doing, you know, little things like that. Sometimes it just helps to walk. <laughs> And a lot of your songs deal with these issues as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the music that I write, I'm completely honest with everything that I put down on paper. And I rarely ever change anything. Like the way it comes out originally when I'm writing a song is the way that it normally stays. As far as the lyrics go. Yeah, I can't really say much more about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the songs. It's all in the songs. It's all in the songs. Yeah. <laughs> What's your relationship like with your family now? I'm not really close to my family. I did start to rebuild my relationship with my mom a little bit in the past few years because she's also gotten better as well. She's on the right medication and she's able to like have a job now and, and not go down where she was before. She's definitely more stable now and I try to like limit the amount of time that I spend with her. So I just kind of go and visit her 
once a week or once every couple weeks for like a few hours and that's good enough for me pretty much <laughs> you had bad relationships with the medications especially when you're younger and sounds like you're a little bit of a guinea pig with all the things that are being thrown at you yeah. uh, what's your relationship with medications these days are you are you scared of them are you a bit more welcoming of them i'm pretty scared of them but at the same time I mean, I've been bouncing back and forth between different therapists just because I feel like I don't have the time and energy to to really sit down and do that for myself. But eventually I want to go back to therapy again. But I'm kind of open to it if they suggest it. But I also understand that it's up to me. Like if I want to take the medication, I can. And if I don't want to, I don't have to. But also just listen to others. And if they think that my behavior is problematic or damaging to myself or damaging to others, and yeah, I would definitely consider medication again. <laughs> That was my conversation with Karen Maria Hernandez of Cosmic Kitten, CosmicKittenBand.com. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available for pre-order. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To pre-order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com store. And for even more designs, check out Screen Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klahaman Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well.